Hello, I'm Erica LaCasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we'll be talking about the complaints of his people. Stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Thank you all for tuning in once again. I want to apologize because I know for the past couple weeks I have not been letting you know what the tour portion for this upcoming week is. The reason for that is because I have been pre-recording these podcasts so far in advance that I have lost track and am not doing it accurately, I have found, for that particular week. So in an effort to give you the correct um, tour portion for the week, I'm going to wait until after my husband and I are back from our honeymoon and can give you the correct portions because I'll be on time at that point. So that being said, obviously this is pre-recorded. Uh, by the time you listen to this, I will be a couple days before, it'll be a couple days before we head to um, Europe for our honeymoon. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we were planning on going to Israel for our 20-year uh, and first honeymoon, uh, 20th anniversary and first honeymoon extravaganza. And we were going to go to Israel, obviously that, you know, for conditions that we had no control over whatsoever, cannot do that. So we opted to take a cruise in Northern Europe where we will be visiting England and Germany and the Netherlands and Belgium and France and England again, and a little bit of Iceland, and then we'll head back home. But I did want to say all of that to say I'm not doing the tour portions as of right now, not because I've forgotten about them, not because I don't think they're important. I think that it is, but I also want to make sure that I'm giving you the correct week. And I feel like the last couple times I gave you the tour portions, they may or may not have been for the week that I was telling you they were for. So that all being said, the title of this particular podcast is called the complaints of his people, but it actually coincides with, a tour portion and a sermon my husband gave a couple weeks ago called a tour portion about fear. And I believe once again, I hope that I'm correct on this. I believe the tour portion was uh Beshalach. And I believe that was, it means when he said, but I believe I gave you that tour portion during the from brides to besties part two and i think it's so important for us to remember what the lord says about being fearful and also how the lord reacts when we complain as we walk through this tour portion i want you to ask yourself why it is that the lord wants the children of israel to remember the lesson of the battle against Amalek, which we'll get into in a little bit. The short answer is fear, but the long answer is a little bit longer. This whole Torah portion is about fear. In fact, the half Torah and even the Brit Hadashah portions are about fear. This Torah portion opens when God says that he will not take the Israelites toward the land of the Philistines, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. 
It goes on to say that God led the children of Israel by day and by night, with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. Why does God need to move them to drive them by day and by night? Because the Lord knows that he only has so much time before Israel loses heart and become fearful and start complaining. And for us, it shouldn't be that surprising. Israel has been in slavery for generations. Fear has been the only thing that has kept them alive. And Adonai understands that. He seems to almost be saying with his action that Israel's fear is understandable. Understandable, but no longer acceptable. And I think this understanding is borne out by the text. At the end of three days and three nights of forced marching, God tells Israel to encamp by the sea, and then they see the chariots of the Egyptians bearing down on them. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. This is only three days after the events of the Passover, where the Bible says that Israel marched out of Egypt armed for war. And at the first sight of danger, they crumble. But look at Adonai's reaction. Then Adonai said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. There's a general rule of Bible interpretation we should remember here. When God asks a question, it isn't because he doesn't know the answer. He wants to make us think. Why did they cry out to God? Why are they now terrified of the Egyptians that the Bible says they plundered just a few days before? To put it bluntly, God is saying, why are you whining? Keep going. Trust me. Didn't I take you out of Egypt with signs and miracles and wonders? And even after that, the Lord throws down the horse and his rider and literally split the sea so that the waters were a wall on either side of them. Even after all of this, it is only a few verses later that the Israelites cry out again in fear. This time it is fear because they lack water. Now let's be very clear. Nothing that Israel is fearful of is unimportant or trivial. Lack of water in the desert, enemy chariots bearing down on them, and lack of food for themselves and their children are all legitimate fears. But they are illegitimate when God says, fear not. Next comes the story of the manna, the bread from heaven, and here we see God working on another aspect of Israel's slave mentality, a scarcity mindset. God tells the people to gather as much manna as they like, but not to leave any over until morning. Don't hoard it. You see, when you are a slave or a prisoner, you are at the mercy of your jailers. They may or may not decide to feed you day by day. One of the first lessons prisoners of war learn is to lay a little food aside when they have it because they may not get anything the next day. Israel needs to learn that they are not prisoners anymore and that the Lord can be trusted. He is faithful and if he says the manna will be there in the morning, then it will. I think it's good to pause here and just take a minute to think about how many of us have chosen to live in that prisoner and victim mindset where we worry about things that we have no control over. And these are things that the Lord has told us that he'll be faithful and that he'll be there for us and that we should fear not. And yet we feel like we need to take it upon ourselves to complain and whine and be fearful of what the next day will be like. So when 
Israel inevitably gives into their fear and holds over food, the manna spoils and rots. We see it again on Shabbat. God tells him to gather a double portion the day before Shabbat because there will be none tomorrow. But this doesn't stop Israel from trying to gather everything they can. Exodus chapter 16, verse 27 to 29. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Shabbat. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. And again at Massa and Meribah, Israel grumbles when with Moshe and by extension Adonai about water. And finally, the Lord seems to settle the matter by having Moshe or Moses strike a rock and water flows out. He seems to be saying, will you stop worrying about water if you see that I can draw it out of the very rocks you walk on? And finally, we end the portion with a story that I've always loved and been fascinated by. Israel defeats Amalek in battle. Exodus 17, 8 through 16 says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill excuse me, with a staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with a sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under the sun. I apologize, it's actually from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. I have always had two questions about this story that I think I know the answer to now. Why did God allow Amalek to prevail when Moshe let his arms down? And why did Adonai command Moshe to not just record these events in a scroll, but to recite it over and over to Joshua? And the answers to these two questions are intimately related. Adonai needs Israel to learn not to lose heart when things seem difficult. Adonai let Israel struggle to teach them perseverance, and this is the first time they seem to get it. Yes, when Moshe's hands fall, Amalek prevails. But Israel doesn't break. Israel doesn't fail. Israel doesn't give up. Not on themselves and not on Adonai. This is why Adonai tells Moshe to record these events and to tell them over and over to Joshua. Because Israel is finally beginning to shed their slavery mindset. Let's be clear, they aren't done yet and they still have a long way to go. But God is faithful. Often people remark on how Israel grumbles and complains and rebels over and over again. And they say to themselves, how can they complain and worry about water when they saw God split the sea? How can they worry about food when they saw how God controlled the wildlife and the ten plagues? How can Israel fear enemy armies when they saw Adonai destroy the greatest army on the planet at the time? And what those people forget is to remember Israel was in slavery and subjugation for 400 years. And what they fail to do is to put themselves into that mindset before they ask what they would do.
But God patiently, lovingly, but firmly works with Israel to replace that fear with bravery and their worry and concern with trust and obedience. And he does the same thing with us. Sometimes we do better than others, but we all struggle with fear and complaining because in the natural, there's much to be afraid of. And if we have to navigate the dangers of this world, or worse yet, if we have to steer our loved ones through this world, we would be right and justified to be afraid of everything. I mean, you could get killed just walking out of your house or even just lying in bed. So again, if the responsibility was ours for our safety and security, then we should be afraid. But it's not. It's God's responsibility and he is faithful to keep his promises so that we can rest and trust in his provision for all things. This is why Yeshua tells us to pray for our daily bread and why he tells us not to worry about what we will eat or where we, where we will sleep. He says for us to consider the lilies of the field. They don't reap or sow, but are more gloriously dressed even than Solomon. So the next time you're afraid, ask yourself, why are you taking responsibility for something that belongs to God? Are you usurping his authority? Because just like it was for Israel in the wilderness, God is a commandment that applies to all of us. And that is to fear not. I want to repeat something again. Let's be clear. They aren't done yet and they still have a long way to go. But God is faithful. We aren't done yet and we still have a long way to go. But Adonai is faithful. You know, I am definitely one of those people reading uh, about the Israelites and, and about all the complaining that they did, right? But a lot of that complaining, complaining does come from a place of fear because we tend to grumble and complain when we don't have a full understanding of things and knowledge of, of understanding what's going on around us. And so we tend to rely on what we do know. And sometimes what we know is not very much. And I was reminded very much of this, not only when my husband did the sermon that I, I just read to you, but also during our wedding and while we had family and friends coming from all over the place and there were a couple people who had a tendency to complain. And it was funny because I had to kind of be introspective about it because I would get upset about this person maybe just having nothing positive to say. And then I would have to stop and kind of reflect and say, Erica, how often do you do the same thing? You see, it goes back to the whole, it's so easy to judge others instead of judging ourselves. And, you know, when we notice, or if there's someone in your life who happens to complain a lot, or maybe they don't necessarily have anything nice to say. And if they do, it's few and far between. It makes it very difficult to not only have a relationship with that person, but also just to be around them. Because all you hear is the complaining constantly. Yeah, I mean, like, who really wants to be around that? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be around that. So, you know, I had to stop myself and say, you know what, Lord, like, please help me to just remember who you are and to not complain about every little thing. Because the reality is, 
we are all blessed and highly favored of the Most High God. And I think it goes back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, where uh, Yeshua is doing the blessing on the mount. And one of the things he says is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be satisfied. So it doesn't say that they hunger and thirst, complain and get what they need. It simply says that they are satisfied. Now, you can interpret that many different ways, but I don't see that as them complaining about what it is that they need and they want and being provided for it. I think it's recognizing that you may have a need in your life and praising the Lord no matter what the circumstances are. Instead of just focusing on the negative, that we can simply focus on what the Lord has done for us and what the Lord is still doing for us and the, what the Lord will continue to do. Maybe not in our timing, but in his timing. And that's what I find so, I want to say inspirational, but I feel like that's not the right term, but it is, it's inspirational. It's like, all right, Lord, like I know that you are there for me. I know that I have nothing to fear, that I have nothing to grumble and complain about. I realize that there are tough times in my life, but that you are with me every step of the way. That no matter what comes my way, you are with me. That no matter who I run into, that you are with me. And that I need to show the love of Christ and not show my inner selfish self- clearly having trouble with words today. My, you know, your, your selfish desires, that they don't see your selfish desires, that they see Yeshua through us. And they're not going to see that if we're too busy complaining. If the complaints of his people are all that they see, that, that Christians, all they do is complain about the world around them. And instead of getting up and doing anything about it, they simply sit there and complain about it. They don't have, you know, something that my husband always, he always talks about how he gets really frustrated, you know, even with me sometimes where I'll complain about something. And he's like, okay, well, do you have a solution? I'm like, no. He's like, well, then why are you complaining? <laughs> if you've got no solution, why are we having this conversation? Is it just to complain? Or do you have like an end game in mind? Do you have a thought process in mind? And I think that's something to really think about. Like when you have something that you're complaining about, do you have a solution to it? Do you have some way to help that person who's complaining? Do you have some way to help yourself if you're complaining? Is Does the Lord have the answers in his word about what to do when things just don't seem to be going the way that you would want them to go? Because sometimes that's just God's way of growing us, to test us, to see is this, is this person going to grow in what I give them or are they going to crumble and give up? Because we cannot grow as believers if we're still stuck and we aren't willing to grow as believers. Just something that kind of has been on my mind this past week and hopefully it spoke to you as well. I really appreciated my husband did the sermon and man, I just, I felt like it was so on point. I really wanted to make sure that my audience also heard it. So hopefully it spoke to you as well. I pray that you all have a fantastic week and that you'll tune in next week. And as I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with the ironic benediction.
which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. <laughs> And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Bashem Yeshua Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace, we pray. Amen. Once again, have a fantastic week, and I'll see you back here next week. Shavuot Tov! Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com, or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E as in Echo, L as in Lemur, M as in Mike. Amazon Mike, Amazon Mike, the number three at protonmail.com. Also feel free to leave me a one minute voicemail message at anchor.fm forward slash Erica Lacasse. There's a button on my Anchor website that says leave a voicemail. Thank you so much. And remember to leave all messages short and sweet and to the point. And I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you.